Hi, and welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we're so happy to have you for our third edition of the Big Book Study with Julie and Lisa. That's us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? I saw there's a coffee here in Nashville that my husband's a coffee drinker. I am not. And I didn't see this because if I did, I wouldn't have bought it. But in big, bold letters on the package, it says, we appreciate your addiction. And I was like, oh, no, they didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. We once did a whole podcast on that, right? People using that word loosely. Yeah. Like, you know, massage addict, that doesn't bother me. But we appreciate your addiction kind of did. Yeah. So won't be buying that coffee again. Not very sensitive. No. And listen, I'm pretty hard to offend, but that one bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> we are both pretty hard to offend. I'm uh, easily embarrassed and hard to offend. My husband is the opposite. I can offend, like it blows my mind what he can be offended by, by me personally. Actually, you know what? I would probably say I'm more like your husband where I'm, uh, it's hard to, for me to feel embarrassed. Um, because I just accept my humanity today more than I ever did before. And I used to really care about what other people think. Now mm -hmm. I still do, but it's less, it's lessened. It's not like uh, something that weighs me down. Um, but uh, yeah, people can still offend me. But then uh, thankfully I have a program that helps me through that where I can get on with my day <laughs> yeah, and yeah. accept that that's other people's bullshit. It's not mine when people offend me. Um, all right. So we... Um, Love to talk. We talked a lot and um, we only got to the preface. So now we're on the forward to the first edition and both Julie and I are reading from uh, the fourth edition of the big book. So uh, I'm just going to go plug my computer in because the battery has set its low. So if you want to start <laughs> us off. I will. My name is Julie and I'm an alcoholic. Forward to the first edition. This is the foreword as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939. Y'all, can we just say, are we not glad that we were born after 1939? The state of what happened to drunkards uh, would be jail, uh, mental asylums, the street. Um, thank God for these two men that I believe created this divinely inspired program. Starts with the most important word of our fellowship. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to show. And why is it seemingly? Because there's a solution. Right. Thank you. Um, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered in italics is the main purpose of this book. And I have that um, highlighted and a note beside it that says, here's where the book describes what we recover from, which is the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Okay. I'm going to interject there too, because this is one of my favorite uh, parts of the book because it first identifies um, the nature of our disease being uh, twofold mind and body. Uh, some mm. people say threefold mind, spirit, which I also like. Um, but mind and body are what's referenced in the book. And uh, the mind is when I'm not drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. So it highlights the obsessive nature of my disease, mm. the obsessive nature of my thoughts. And then I often hear people say, oh, I had a craving to drink the other day. No, not unless you drank 
then you have a craving. So that's the second part of the twofold nature of our disease mm. in the body. You have a craving when it's triggered by the alcohol that you put in your body. That's the physical part of our disease. So once I start, I can't stop. Um, so what you have, if you're thinking about drinking when you're newly sober or anytime is the obsession of the mind. And I believe that's highlighted and explained for us right there. And I also was taught when anything is in italics in the big book, pay attention, highlight, underline, circle, precisely how we have recovered. This is our how-to manual. Mm -hmm. This is our guidebook. You know, it's going to take us through the steps. It's going to show us how it works. It's going to show us how to get into action. And that's what they're telling us in this very first sentence. So this very first um, sentence, two sentences, filled with hope. Now there's mm. hope. Yep. It's a holistic treatment of our disease. It encapsulates a body, bind, body, bind, mind, body, and spirit. However, we know that it's a spiritual solution that addresses the mind and the body dysfunction. And they didn't have meetings at this time. They just had this book. So you can imagine the frenzy and they got into that in the, in the preface, the frenzy that happened and people just so desperately wanted to get their hands on this book. Um, and then if you get into the history of the Jack Alexander story, it became even more prominent. I'm surprised that there was a whole article written with famous people in it that mm -hmm. talked about AA um, because I know there was such a stigma around alcoholics back at that time, but that's a kind of a neat sort of digression for anyone that wants to Google the Jack Alexander story. Mm -hmm. Well, and with those people honestly disclosing and identifying and outing themselves, it normalized it because a lot of people had a very narrow skewed view of what an alcoholic was. Mm. And so with those people identifying, it opened it up you know, to other people. And then it says, like you mentioned in the preface, the office, the New York uh, general service office was deluged, deluged mm -hmm. with flooded <laughs> with letters of mm -hmm. people saying, I want this. How do I get this book? So, and they couldn't keep up because we're an altruistic movement of equals who are doing this in service voluntarily, not paid 12 step work. Oh, I just, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this, but the other day I heard uh, two people talking about AA as a cult and uh, one of the things that I mentioned was, first of all, we have no leaders. Like you just said, it's an altruistic movement. We have no leaders. We don't tell you what to believe in, in terms of God. We don't ask you for money. We don't shun you. If you leave, you are always welcome back. Family members are included. Like you couldn't have a more inclusive non-culty group. I said, if you mean it is a subculture of people with their own lingo and behaviors and mantras and ways of living, yes. But I know you mean it in the derogatory sense of something that is brainwashing and mind control. Wow. Um, so where were you? Can you say, <laughs> were you just overheard this conversation in public or you were at a, like a social I was at a social thing. Oh, okay. Well, I love that you educated those people. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did their, were their minds changed or no? <laughs> I don't know. Um, at first I was like, I don't know if I should say something, but then I thought I have a responsibility, um, whether it's misinformation about anything. If I'm in a circumstance where I see other people are being influenced and taking what someone says as gospel when it's not true, mm -hmm. I, you know, and these are not a addicts, B people that ever went to AA. 
Right. In fairness, they were all, they have been around people in AA that have been white knucklers and dry drunks. Wow. So that is the concept that they were familiar with. And I said, well, they're doing it wrong, by the way, if that's what you see their journey in AA is. And they also didn't like the fact that you have to identify forever as an alcoholic. And that's part of the mind control. And I said, no, it's a responsibility. And when it comes to an addiction, it doesn't mean I am not free right now. It doesn't mean that it means I have a healthy respect for the fact that if I take a drink, I will drink again. That's an alcoholic. It doesn't mean I'm cured of alcoholism just means I don't do it. And you're looking at as shame, uh, as a thing about shame, like they're shaming me in identifying. And I look at it as empowerment. It's like someone saying I'm a cancer survivor. Okay. I'm an alcoholic. You might have attached shameful things to that. I have not. And it's important that other people hear me identify like that so that they can battle their own shame. It reminds me of the, um, what are the Jews that wear the furry hats? There's a name for them. They're all over the dots. Yeah, but there's there's another name. Hasidic Jews. Like that was used way back in history as like an identifier um, for bad purposes. And now they wear those hats as a sign of pride and identity. So it's all about the way you look at it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's what came up for me when you talked about an altruistic movement. Right. Cults oh, are not it. altruistic movements. And this is why it takes us so long to get to get to get through a page. But this is exactly how Uh, I was taught by my sponsor and how it happens in a big book study where we talk, we dissect, we go line by line. It sparks conversation. Um, This has always been what a big book study, um, all the big book studies I've attended have been like this, where we break things down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love what you said about, you know, identifying as an alcoholic for life. I used to, that was my own shame. I didn't want to be an alcoholic, but um, it was in the um, identifying and uncovering of that truth that I was an alcoholic that set me free and identifying and knowing who I was and what my issue was. It allowed me to um, do the 12 steps, do the work. And now I'm, you know, I'm not addicted to alcohol because I don't put it in my body, but I know that I will be if I do. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it keeps me safe and it's not about shame at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And when, um, and now when we identify as alcoholics today, Uh, we're changing the perception and that skewed view of what an alcoholic is because you and I are alcoholics who I would say are joyous, happy, and free. Mm -hmm. We're not the person who is white knuckling it or struggling. So we're already changing that perception of what an alcoholic looks like a sober alcoholic who has worked the 12 steps and continues to practice 12 step recovery. Mm -hmm. Continue. All right. Uh, For them, which is other alcoholics, We hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary, i.e. continuing to do the uh, uh, harm reduction style or any other market research in places where you can get alcohol or drugs. Your your own experimentation. Yeah, market research. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. And then I have an asterisk and a note that says, not our way to quit drinking, our way of living to stay sober for good. Yeah. And, and wow, I'm sure this has happened to you too. 
how many people have come to you because a family member has gotten sober and then they, they come to you and say, can you help me? I have issues with this and this and this. Mm. And I've said to people like the 12 steps are there, but I think what helps us alcoholics is that gift of desperation. We become willing to surrender. We become willing to follow the suggestions, but people who don't have that gift of desperation, um, maybe they have other issues, familial issues, relationship issues, um, and what they really need is some outside help, but they try this way. But if they don't have the gift of desperation, they find continuing with the steps challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does have its advantage, uh, a way of living that is advantageous to all, but not all um, can stay dedicated to the 12 step work. It is a daily spiritual reprieve contingent upon our work, the maintenance of our spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And it does get easier. Like it's not the way it is in the beginning, but then we go through times in our lives where it's harder, but it's not in the beginning. It's easy to say, this is too hard. I can't do it, but it's like, well, you're just a beginner. Like if you're a gamer, it's going to be really hard at level one until you're at the end of level one. And then you go to level two and it's really hard at the beginning of level two till you get to level three. Like it gets easier. It becomes an innate sort of subconscious way of living and breathing and being. So it just becomes second nature. And then you accumulate experience of what it's like to live life sober and that gets better, whether it's like being not hung over on Christmas morning so that you can be there with your kids or going to a wedding or getting through your divorce or starting a new job and being able to show up and be present and be accountable. Like the rewards far, far outweigh the negatives. (laughs) <laughs> I thought you were saying the rewards <laughs> fucked over the negatives. I like that way too. I remember saying that to my sponsor uh, many times. This is hard. This is too hard. I can't do this. This is, there's so much work. This is too hard. And I remember him saying, so tell me about your way. Tell me how your way was easier. Because I remember you telling me that you were hospitalized, that you wanted to commit suicide, that you attempted suicide. That doesn't sound like a walk in the park. You were alone. You were isolated. You, you know, lost all your friends. That mm-hmm. doesn't sound easier, but that's the, the sick alcoholic mind, right? You have to pick your hard. Well, which hard are you going to pick today? Is it going to be the hard of living a good sober life that you don't have to look over your shoulder? Or is it going to be the hard of living like a drunk and having to constantly look over your shoulder? And regret the past all the time. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to read? Yes. Um, It is important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals, which may result from this publication. Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. So again, they're identifying that alcoholics are amongst you, just like lesbians. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Secretly lurking in the background. (laughs) You know, we are there. Be careful what you say. Uh, um, We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation. When writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to admit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. 
We are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. And this is kind of what Julie was alluding to when she educated some people at a social event that we're not a cult. Uh, there are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. We shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book, particularly from those who have commenced work with other alcoholics. We should like to be helpful to such cases. Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcome. So here again, they're reminding us that we, um, we want to and we encourage work with scientific, medical, and religious societies. We don't oppose anyone. Uh, we want to work together. I'm so sorry. There's an orchid wasp that just flew at my face. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see Julie dart out of the room, and now she comes back in on tippy toe with a fly swatter. The things you don't see. Um, and my dog's opening the screen oh, door. God. That's hilarious. That was terrifying. The right? bug's you down here. Yeah. I almost punched myself in the face trying to get away from it. <laughs> sorry. I don't know what happened after I whipped those. The- I thought. Headphones I thought maybe out of my ears. At your door or something. I'm like, oh, oh God, no. They're so big <clears throat> and they're nasty. Okay. Sorry about that. I that. also, I don't know what happened to the things I threw away as I was running. <laughs> oh, there it is. We, we finished uh, the forward to the first edition. Oh, she lost her headphones okay, again. <laughs> oh, God. Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcomed, is where we finished. So we finished the. Uh, forward to the first edition. Okay. Um, and a couple of things in there at the last couple of sentences, they're talking about tradition three. Uh, the only requirement for a membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. That's uh, tradition seven. It talks about how we're self-supporting, which is why a basket is passed around the room. If you want to throw in a couple coins, a couple bills um, online today, we have Venmo, PayPal, things like that. And uh, there's no collection. We're not, you know, keeping great vast amounts of money like the Catholic Church. <clears throat> um, we, <laughs> we are self-supporting. It pays for uh, the Zoom room. That's what online fees are, paying for the Zoom room, which is a couple hundred bucks for the year. And um, what else does it pay for? Oh, at the group, uh, Zoo Crew 22, they... Um, have a Google form that people can fill out for attendance verification and the management of that costs the group money. So we need money to help pay for that. Hmm. The that we do. Anything else to add? Uh, maybe as I was fleeing to, from this wasp, I missed it, but did you talk about uh, tradition three being mentioned? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And All right. Tradition seven. My heart. Okay. <laughs> and why do we read the forward to the first edition? Because it's interesting, because there is a lot to know about the organization, how it started, what the purpose of the book is. It's our history. History. Yep, absolutely. Can't say I always loved it, but I do now. <laughs> well, and um, maybe we should end there. Um, the forward to the second edition is next. Or do you want to continue? Put them both in one. Oh, uh, how old? Well, the forward to the second edition is very lengthy. It's like six pages. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. So we will end this 
series of <sighs> our big book series, Forward to the Second Edition. We hope you join us again as we continue with the Forward to the Third Edition. Our history is vital. So I know this might seem a little bit dry, but it is important to understand our beginnings, our humble beginnings mm-hmm. with Bill and Bob. B and B, B squared, the bees. Speaking of bees, bees Billy and wasps. Bees and wasps, <laughs> giant Tennessee orchid wasps that fly at your face How when big you is thought it? you killed it. Um, it's like this big and they're An red. Mm. Yeah, they're pretty gross. I thought I killed it. I'm in my husband's studio. I thought Did I killed see? it yesterday. And then we looked for it because he's like, you angered a wasp in my studio as I'm going to go record stuff. And we couldn't find it. So I thought it was like dead somewhere and it just flew at my face. It's resurrected. Oh my God. It laid in wait just for you. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's got your scent now. If I was, if I practiced Jainism, I would just have committed the most mortal sin murder of any living thing. Right. Well, you're not in that organization. So you're, all I'm right. not a Jainist. So we oh call them God. Jains. I don't, I don't know. I didn't even know such an organization existed. <laughs> It's a religion. Well, thank you, sister. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been another edition of Two Sober Chicks. Keep coming back one day at a time. Keep it simple.